final hour of the Plank Show here with you. Welcome back in, everybody. It's the Plank Show. Josh Elmer alongside Connor Pasby. Right here, home of Sooner fans. Man, it is. We got all sorts of football stuff to, to break down, dissect. Brent Venables meeting with the media for what? A, about an hour yesterday. I haven't even... I haven't even dipped my toes into the water of breaking down and listening to all of the the player commentary and audio and video content that's out there. Was there anything from the players that that grabbed you straight away? I saw I'm I saw play. something with Stogner, but I didn't catch all of it. What exactly Austin Stogner had to say? Yeah, we'll we'll have to we'll have to siphon through a lot of that. Josh I, Bates was pretty cool. Yeah, we'll we'll play that here in just a moment. But suffice it to say. There's a lot going on with Oklahoma athletics. And, oh, by the way, the Sooner Weekly Update, we bring this to you every week. It's brought to us by Wade Electric. Let me just say the national runner-up, Oklahoma men's baseball team, starting the season today, Cal Baptist and their home all weekend. You can get $4 beers on opening day. $4 beers and tickets for general admission are just $5. $4 beers, $5 GA tickets, Sunday postgame, you get to run the bases. So for tickets, visit Soonersports.com. This Sooner Weekly Update brought to you by Wade Electric, your trusted electrical experts for your home or business. Contact them, 405-329-1940. I can't believe it, man. Talking about opening day in baseball. Opening day in baseball. You got to love it. So the the big conversation out there with uh, Oklahoma football, the prevailing topic of conversation, the 76 scholarship guys post-Alamo Bowl and 53 of them no longer a part of this uh, Oklahoma roster. So for me, we can get into, and I know Sean's immediate reaction out there, which was a fair, I think, counterpoint was, well, hang on a second. Is this altogether that much different from everybody else in college football? And somebody, I think, Connor chimed in and said, Georgia has 51, 51 uh, that aren't on its roster from the 2021 college football season. So just comparing the two, and I don't know if that's true or not, but I think somebody chimed in with that to us earlier today. I've not dug into that. But uh, if it's 51 for Georgia and 53 for Oklahoma, then that would indicate, okay, you know, basically the same as the two-time defending national champs here. So I'm not going to get caught up in, oh, my goodness, there's all this new at Oklahoma. That's college football. That's the way it goes. To me, I kind of look at it and say, okay, very exciting that Brent Venables and his staff, they're at that 70% number of the roster that they've they flipped over and brought their own guys in. And that also tells me, okay, six and seven a season ago, now it's time because of some of the items that we mentioned, because of the schedule being, quote-unquote, gettable, right? We don't think this is a wildly imposing Big 12 schedule for Oklahoma. And because, again, the, hey, these are not Brent Venable's recruits, well, now they are. Now they're his transfer portal ads. Now they are signees that he's brought in. All of that, to me, again, the do we want to build the roster up one more year? Wouldn't it have been better to go in 25 to the SEC? You're basically, I mean, you're ready to go in 24. And, oh, by the way, you're ready to start winning games in 23. There is no, there is no waiting clock 
Yeah, it, oh, it's a big number for departures, but you just compared it to Georgia. That's just the new era of football now with transfer portal guys that can leave and go play right away. Someone from the 405 said, but all the guys that left Georgia fair. went to the NFL. It is fair, yes. but no, that's a good point. They've had, but they've had some a handful of guys that have hit the transfer portal as well. But, uh, yeah, so, so has every team. Now, that's, that is a very, very fair point, that the caliber of player that's been leaving Oklahoma right now, not, not every player that's left Oklahoma because there's been some good ones that have left Oklahoma. And I'm not talking just about Caleb Williams to USC. Just guys that, you know, obviously went into the draft either last offseason or going to be drafted right now. And then, you know, a couple of uh, transfers away too. Oklahoma's Oklahoma's lost some talent, but not to the degree, obviously, of what Georgia, when we say 51 players from two years ago, Georgia aren't there. Yeah, those guys are going to the league, and that's not – entirely the case at Oklahoma in bits and pieces sure it is but the the talent discrepancy between the two is pronounced yeah and, so we, I get what they're saying yeah we've had a, a handful of transfer or guys that have hit the transfer portal that have stayed in the power five but we've also had some guys that have gone to you know the smaller d1 so they can go play right away point being would be okay when I say hey you've turned the same amount of of the roster over that a Georgia has, and now it's time to go win. Well, you've also, the bits and pieces that are still a part of this roster, haven't been haven't been in Norman the same way that folks have been down in Athens for Georgia. And, oh, by the way, the guys that are leaving Georgia, a little bit different than the guys that have been leaving Oklahoma. So they're further along in that process for Kirby Smart, if you wanted to argue that counterpoint. I, I, I hear what you're saying out there. Can I play a, a cut before? Do we have anybody hanging on the phone lines? Sean. We got Sean. Okay, so we got a couple. Sean wants to jump in, and he can expound on what what he said earlier, which I think he'll have some, some interesting comments. But I did want to play this. This was good from Brent Venables, talking about have they retooled this roster with the types of players that they needed to out of the transfer portal in regards to the defensive line, the the Bothroids of the world, the Trace Fords of the world, and and the signing class as well. Did they do what they needed to get done in terms of, well, specifically the defensive line, Brent Venables? Yeah, we've, again, it, it was incredibly important. You know, the games, as we know, are won and lost on the lines of scrimmage. We've got to become a more physical football team, both sides of the line of scrimmage. And, uh, you know, personnel matters, and the development piece matters. These are guys that, you know, we're incredibly productive uh, when healthy, and, you know, they bring a, a level of physical toughness that we're looking for, we believe. You know, we certainly haven't started practice yet. Um, we got uh, – that's on the agenda uh, soon enough. But, you know, addressing the lines of scrimmage, we lost a lot of guys. You know, it's not like we have all of a sudden have more than what you would normally have. We just – we needed to reinforce, you know, the trenches amongst other places. We bring in eight defensive backs. And, you know, so – I always believe, you know, one body, many parts. But, you know, I think it can be a great equalizer when you when you get your, your offensive and defensive linemen and, and those those parts of your program, or football team, rather, uh, where, you know, where it's a competitive advantage. And so uh, we're certainly not there yet, but think that we've improved our team, uh, you know, tremendously with the, with the additions, you know, both in the portal and the high school guys uh, that we brought, on, brought along. So – some of Brent Venable's comments on how they've hopefully 
upgraded the offensive and defensive lines both if you listen to coach Vittables there but really that was in response particularly to the defensive line was the the way the question was phrased all right to the phone lines we go where Sean is hanging on the Riverwind Casino jackpot line you can chime in 2405-329-9000 on a Friday on the home of Sooner fans Sean good morning welcome to the show what's on your mind good morning Josh and uh, thanks for having me and of all the excuses that the cult fired out last year, roster turnover is hands down their weakest position. Yes, Caleb Williams left. Okay, that's great. Again, you do not need elite talent to beat West Virginia and Texas Tech. Okay? You just said this this season's schedule is wildly unimposing. So was last year's newsflash. I mean, come on. We are sitting here. I remember when Stoops took this job and there was going to be no excuses. And it is a trumpet of excuses from these people for this football program. I'm not blaming Brent. No, it's not. Yeah, it's not Coach Venables. And I don't think you're saying that it's Coach Venables. No, it's not. It's not his staff. It's not. It's everybody trying to excuse what was a bad year, a learning year, a year. year, There's a lot of things that can play into last year. But roster turnover is not one, okay? This isn't the NFL. You lose, as I said, you're going to lose on average 25 to 30 guys a year, every year. And granted, Caleb Williams won the Heisman. That's awesome. He deserved it. You didn't need Caleb Williams to beat Tech and West Virginia. I mean, it is mind-boggling to me. And by the way, as I and I don't know if you read this, but I stated we're using that Alamo Bowl as somehow you know 14 months ago. When in reality, that's two seasons of players. Yeah, it's two off that seasons. Number. That's that's a fair point. I agree with you. So. And then the thing about, well, all Georgias went to the NFL. No, they didn't. And Georgia Georgia had a top receiver transfer this year. I mean, we're trying. They don't need these excuses. It was a tough year. It was a learning curve year. They've recruited well. You know, on and on and on. But this deal about how you just have had the roster turnover has been the problem for everything. It's not. It's common. And it's more common now. Because of what you stated with the transfer portal and all and everything else that goes into that. But stop with the roster turnover. Everybody is dealing with this. And I'll tell you another one I'm tired of, too. And this is getting brought up more and more as we get farther away from it. This fantasy that you lost, quote-unquote, five one-score games. Baylor took a knee. The guy was running into the end zone. Okay, folks, they took a knee. That was going to be a 14-point loss or whatever. The other one is K-State. We scored a touchdown with 20 seconds to go in the game to cut that to seven. Those are not one-score losses. Those games were – now, the other three, I'll give you. Florida State, Tech, West Virginia, yes. We didn't lose five one-score games. Those are the two games – were well in hand by Baylor and by uh, K-State. 
Well, Baylor, Baylor definitely. K-State, dude. We were down 14. We scored with 20 seconds to go on an excuse-me backdoor touchdown. Those are not one-score losses in reality. And what's the old adage? I can't even remember the saying, but if you keep lying to yourself, nothing's ever going to change. Stop lying to ourselves. But anyway, but roster turnover drives me insane, as you can tell, because it's commonplace everywhere. That's college athletics. Well, and again, my my big takeaway was not let's continue to build this roster over. It's, okay, you're 70% of the way there if you're Oklahoma. So to your point, yes, I think a lot of the – any of that conversation, that needs to be over in 2023. And by 2024, there's none of it. It's it's done. It's completely done with any, well, hey, you got to get your roster in place. Your, your roster is basically in place right now. Now, pieces of this roster can continue to grow and improve. I'm thinking, you know, Bowen, Atabare, all of these young signees. But generally speaking, Venables is close to having his guys. Right, as any coach would. I mean, honestly, as any coach would, I mean, and I don't know. I, it just drives me, it drives me batty, the putting, twisting ourselves into pretzels, trying to excuse what took place last year as if it's somehow, I don't know. I'm just so tired of it because they don't hold water. Some of them do. There are legitimate reasons why things happened last year. But roster turnover, and my other favorite is Bob went 7-5 and five his first year. That's a personal favorite. As if the Big 12 wasn't the best conference in America that, in 1999. It was. It was not in 2022. So, anyway, I appreciate the time, buddy. Thanks, man. Sean, have a good weekend. Appreciate the phone call. There is, as you might imagine, Connor, quite That's a bit fine. of reaction. <laughs> quite a bit of reaction. Yeah, it's, to bl- it's blown up here. Yeah. <laughs> if if nothing else, he's moving the needle, right? Uh, the the phone lines, we go to the phone lines, and the Air Comfort Solutions text line, the Ref Army, they have their opinions, my friend, and usually it is uh, it's it's not always positive for those that call into the station. But I appreciate you, Sean. Uh, good stuff. Let's take a time out. Let's dissect. I, I I don't know. We're kind of on Chris Plank watch here for him to rejoin us. He hasn't, I don't think, texted me and said that he's jumping back on just yet. So, obviously, he's getting ready for softball. We're ready to to march on with or without Plank. Would love to have him back, but uh, I don't know that he's he's joining us straight away next. So, let's continue to react to some of the comments that Sean made there, your reactions on the, the text line, and then uh, we've got so much, so much uh, that we still haven't gotten to from Brent Venables, from the players yesterday, from uh, obviously the, the meeting with the media. Right here, Josh and Connor with you. It's the Plank Show. Home of Sooner fans back with you in just a moment after this. Sooner Weekly Update presented by Wade Electric. National runner-up Oklahoma men's baseball starting the season today versus Kyle Baptist. They're home all weekend. You can get $4 beers today on opening day and tickets for general admission, just $5. Sunday postgame, hey, you get to run the bases. So the uh, the youngsters obviously would love to get out there and run the bases. That was uh, for me growing up, man. Now, it wasn't uh, Oklahoma baseball. It was Wichita Wranglers 
baseball, but that that's cool, man. When you're when you're a kid and you get to go run the bases, that's fun. For tickets, visit Soonersports.com. And again, this Sooner weekly update brought to us by Wade Electric, your trusted electrical experts for your home or business. Contact them 405 329 1940. <laughs> Do you want to uh, pick some of your favorites in response to one uh, Sean is, via the text line? Is Sean a Texas A&M fan? I can from confirm. He's definitely to the 817. He's definitely not an A&M fan. Let's see here. We have a shark. Shark opinion. Yes. Sometimes the truth is hard to listen to from shark. This boy, they've got receipts on you. They've got receipts on you. K Puck. The players OU lost and the players they brought in did not compare to most other schools in the talent level lost and talent brought in. From K Puck. Well, and that's what we're talking about with Georgia, right? And, and my my thing wasn't even to compare Oklahoma and Georgia per se. More just the number itself was the number fifty three of seventy six. Was that similar to an Alabama to right. a Georgia? Not the caliber of player that, that which is a good point of them. I'm just saying, is that number because you hear fifty three of seventy six and it's staggering, it's overwhelming. But when you find out that, oh, well, that's actually that's on par with the folks that are winning national championships, that in a way that's comforting, I think, because that's college football, right? This is what college football is. Now the hope is you've signed the right guys, and I think Oklahoma has to obviously improve upon what the texter said about Georgia, which is, okay, now down the, the line, you're sending NFL guys off. Right. Well, and how many defensive guys did Georgia have in the first round of the NFL draft? And then the next year, they had to fill in those gaps defensively. And the thing with Georgia is they have those four-star, five-star defensive linemen, linebackers, and <laughs> secondary guys that they can put in there. This caller is the same guy that complained about Eric Gray. Uh, fair point. That's, that's a fair, fair bullet to shoot out there. Though I would say uh, I likewise was, I don't know. I, I don't know if I was super critical of Eric Gray, but I was at least prove it to me going into this last season. And obviously Eric Gray did. He had a fabulous season. Would you like to hear from the man, the myth, the legend, Peyton Bowen? Let's do it, yes. Have you heard this clip of him talking about signing with OU and Jackson Arnold and everything? So I, I saw a bunch of clips. I was just never – I didn't have a time to listen to him quite yet, but uh, let, let's hear him. Okay, so here's – this is from Chris Williams, by the way, uh, of News 9. And this is the story of Jackson Arnold trying to recruit Peyton Bowen to Oklahoma. He called me at, like, midnight. So I already signed. Like, he didn't know that, though. He, like, he called me. He was, like, getting this big speech ready. And he was like, all right, bro, listen. So, like, I know, like, what you're doing and stuff like that. And I was like, bro, I'm booming. What you? I was like, I'm booming. He was like, stop playing. I was like, yeah, like, I'm booming. And then um, he was like, he was like, bro, stop playing. I was like, I swear, bro, do you, like, do you want me to send you the papers? Like, so I sent it to him. He was like, bro, I had this whole speech ready. Like, I was going to, like, pour my heart and soul out into you. And so he didn't really say too much after that. But he w- he was ready to. I was about to go on a whole rant, pretty much. I, I don't remember anymore what I was going to say, but I was going to do anything I could to make him sign with us. <laughs> so pretty good Jackson stuff. Arnold, man of the people. Jackson Arnold, 
a closer that didn't have to actually be a closer in this particular instance. But he was ready to be. He did his part. He got the job done to get Peyton Bowen here. It's pretty cool, man. Two high school uh, teammates, really good friends, end up with each other at OU. So how about uh, tease this for a little while, and this will probably have a little bit of of uh, Ross in front of it asking the question to Josh Bates, but how about why Josh Bates uh, – how why he'll be a fan favorite at Oklahoma and how he wants to be remembered sounded like this. What, what do you hope that the fans love about you? Uh, I'm loyal. And so, you know, when I sign a paper to come to your school, I'm going to be here for, you know, for all four years. And, uh, and I'm going to give it my best. Uh, I'm, I'm a hard worker on the field. I'm mean, nasty. You're going to see me get into some fights down there. Going to see me get into some fights down there. Folks like that. You love to see freshmen saying that, though. Say, hey, you're going to get this out of me for four years. I'm not going anywhere. He, uh, and, and yes, Shane in Newcastle, I did see Eric Bailey's report about how he had turned his papers into Oregon but messed up the paperwork and then uh, obviously signed with Oklahoma two days later. That was just a cr- – man, dude, that was just a crazy day. I mean, we were, we were part of it. We had Plank gone. Like destined to be, you Gosh, know? Gosh, yes. Just destined to be that he was going to wind up a sooner. Josh Bates, though, man, he is going to be absolutely a fan favorite. And I heard uh, Creed Humphrey played a big part in his recruitment to come to OU. He said, hey, if you want to go to the first round of the NFL draft, you want to be a big-time center, big time center, then come to OU. And you know what? It sounded like this from Mr. Bates talking about, talking about that. I'm curious, have you talked to any of those guys that, you know, talking about former right shooters now or that have come through, you know, how, how, how's your relationship with, you know, some of those older guys? Yeah, no, actually, I actually have. I've talked to uh, Creed Humphrey. I met him on my second visit here. I met Creed, um, I met Orlando Brown, uh, Lane Johnson, you know, he follows me too. So uh, being able to, you know, talk to those guys and get the really just the, the input from like their, their advice on coming here you know why you should come here and you know the, the things that you, you're able to do when you leave this place is it's a big it's a big deal uh, learning from them and watching them and, and their careers it's it's another thing that made me want to come here so. well it definitely helps having those folks uh able to recruit for you and you know obviously a couple of those guys well any of those three were about to win a super bowl uh Creed Humphrey and Orlando Brown just happened to be the the two of the three that did and instead of Lane Johnson, but all three of them played for the Super Bowl. So, man, you got that type of uh, track record with those three, what they've done in the National Football League. I know it's early for both Creed Humphrey and Orlando Brown, but uh, they've established themselves at a couple of the as a couple of the stars at the uh, respective positions they play, tackle and center. So, man, especially with Creed, he gets in your ear and says, this is a place you want to be. Yeah. You gotta love that. It grabs the recruits' attention when they see guys like that, especially well, playing in the Super Bowl. All three of those guys playing there, and they see what, like, hey, that can be me if I go to OU and I can eventually get in the first or second round of the NFL draft and uh, play in the NFL. Plank, by the way, is back with us. He's uh, hooked back up. Let's take a timeout, and we can either I'll let Plank decide when we return because uh, there's plenty of softball to break down. I know that uh, I think he just had his pregame coaches interview, but uh, we can keep rifling through football audio, or we can shift gears to some of the diamond sports. It's up to the man himself, Chris Plank. We'll take a timeout, come back, roll through hour number three, keep going along right here. It's the Plank Show on the ref. 
Dude, I told you I'd be back. Did you ever doubt me? Did you ever doubt? By the way, here's the funny part of this, okay? As we welcome you back into the Plank Show. Um, Patrick Dunn can attest to this. It literally is what, Pat, like a four-minute drive from the hotel to get here? So here's the funny part, Josh. It's a four-minute drive. It then took me 25 minutes to find a parking spot. Oh, because, really? Because school's in – oh, by the way, I'm sorry. I got my crowd. Mic. Hey, that's a final. Stephen F. Austin has shut out Army 2-zip. But it's a school day here in Waco. So, like, literally every spot that was always really close for me where I could always park is taken. So I had a driver, and then then you're like, well, maybe there's a spot. I did the whole mall parking thing, right, where I'm driving up and down an aisle. Then I realized, thanks to uh, our good friends for this trip at Fowler Toyota, I'm driving like this rather beastly car, and I mean that in a good way. So it's not like I can just fit into a smaller spot like I can with my normal car. <laughs> so there's about two or three times where I start to pull into a spot, and you're like, yeah, this ain't going to work. <laughs> we, we will now with much embarrassment back up a little bit and try to pull back in but you made it you're good you're ready to go broadcast will be live uh at 12 15 so okay i got to catch a little bit of who was that that we were listening to right before right when i jumped on so was it was it? it was josh bates oh center josh bates I, I love that kid man he uh Greedily, you know, he's he's hopped on Locked On Sooners with us and was great Oh, that's there. cool. So, but he really is, he's not afraid to speak his mind, which, you know, that's, I think fans are going to really dig that about him. And I think, honestly, Josh, I think that's, that's one of the reasons why we don't always get these. <laughs> right. Because maybe coaches are afraid of uh, guys speaking their mind a little bit too much. But in the case of, of Josh Bates, it's such a unique story. Just r- real quick on him, because it, here is no knock on centers, right? But you don't necessarily recruit a center. You know, if you think about in the history of OU football, um, I'm just going off the top of my head. Like Gabe Eichard was was a tight end when he came in, uh, and then you know, developed into an offensive lineman. They played him at guard, and then he becomes a center. You know, Creed is kind of the unique guy on that front that and came in as a center. Right. You usually, your best, and Coach Beatonbow has told us this, so I'm not just, like, making S up and throwing it off the wall. Your most athletic, your best lineman is not typically your center, right? It's your left tackle. It's your right tackle. It's, you know, those dudes on the that are dealing with the rush in. So, to me, a guy like Bates is amazing, because he comes in, Josh, knowing that position, it's the most important position on the offensive line in Bill Beanbow's system, and it seems like he embraces it. So uh, I'm a big fan of Joshua Bates, too. And I think he's a guy, um, you know, Rame's coming back, so Rame gets another year. Um, I think Andrew Rame's got a chance to really do something special on the offensive line for him. I think he's got a chance to be a guy that can be drafted. But I think you're looking at the next dude at center for Oklahoma for years to come. Agreed. I definitely do, too. And now, correct me if I'm wrong. Go ahead. Schaefer, who they brought in via the transfer portal, he's got the track record of both guard and center, does he not? Correct. From Miami of Ohio. So correct. He, he's expected to play guard, and, and I think that's where he's been the last two seasons. But he could play center if need be. Right. Right. Oh, Absolutely. But 
You know, I I think what's going to be fascinating, and again, this is the, these are the kind of conversations that I think for for some fans, it's like, bro, I don't care about the offensive line. How's the quarterback look? What's our uh, what's our situation look like at running back? Where's my wide receivers? I think most people, I think they they could care they couldn't care less. Is that right? It's couldn't care less. Not could care couldn't care less about the offensive line. It's just hey, just go out there and block them. Okay, get this done, and. In all honesty, Josh, uh, the reality is it's without a doubt the most you know important position because what did Coach Venable say yesterday? What's their biggest charge? They want to get better in the trenches. They have to get better in the trenches. So, you know, with a guy like um, – with a guy like – oh, gosh, the, my, I just spaced on the Miami Ohio transfer that you just mentioned. Caleb Schaefer. Caleb Schaefer, with a guy like himself, with, uh, you know, someone young. That, that could make a difference at the center position with Andrew Rame. You want to get your best five out there, and maybe that best five might be with Schaefer at center and moving Rame to a guard. Or hell, I mean, I, I don't know if if arm length wise and size wise, Rame could project as a tackle, but he did it and he's done it before in his his career. So I just, I guess the point I'm making is there can be some versatility on this offensive line, and I won't lie to you, Josh. I'm I'm pretty excited about it going forward for this team. Well, and Oklahoma needed depth and they needed options. Just in an instance where you have an injury or just because you kind of want to light a fire under a guy, et cetera, et cetera. And I think they've done that with a, a lot of what they've done, offensive line, defensive line, across the board, what they've added out of the transfer portal. They've, they've really brought some guys in that are going to either directly help them in a starting sense plank or or be on that too deep. Um, you want to hit a couple of these texts when we come back? I mean, I know I'm I'm a little bit late to the program, but is there anything else from the player perspective that you hit Josh that we talked about that we definitely we definitely need to dive into here? I think we can continue to look into some of the player audio. I played just the cut from uh, Bowen talking about his recruitment. Did you catch this yesterday? He uh, Bowen was saying that he had already signed with Oklahoma. This was after everything with Oregon and Eric Bailey had a really good report on. The fact that, you know, one little paperwork snafu is kind of how Bowen wound up at Oklahoma. But after that, he had signed with OU, and Jackson Arnold was really, really trying to come in and be the closer and, like, some final recruiting of him. And lo and behold, Peyton Bowen had to tell him, it's, dude, I've already signed. <laughs> like, you don't, you don't have to keep recruiting me, man. <laughs> I like that story. I like that story a lot. But, yeah, I'm um, – I'll tell you what. You know, it's probably been said a lot, and I think for most of you, you're tired of hearing it. But that's that's really cool, really cool um, from the perspective of availability. Now, I don't know if this is going to become the regular thing. I don't know if this is going to be uh, time in and time out. This is what we're going to get, and, and you're going to always get, you know, 80 guys being available to you. I just I don't know if that's going to be the case. But for one day yesterday... Um, I thought it was really, really cool, and I hope it becomes more of the norm because, as you said, you mentioned with the relationship that uh, you and John have with Bates already, having had him on your podcast. This is, These are some really, really cool guys. These are some guys that over the next couple of years, Josh, have an opportunity to become kind of media darlings, if you will, and this is a good, and it helps them out in NIL, too, to get their face out there. Well, and, and here's oh, – go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, you know, the other thing, again, we, we talk SEC, 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 but don't we feel like, I mean, 22, yeah, but 
23, yes. This is the SEC class, the first, right? Sure. Sure. This is it. This is it. Um, they're going to get the first opportunity to go out and get things done in the Southeastern Conference. So um, let, let's do something a little bit unique here. Let's break on time. What? And when I know. I know. And when we come back on a Friday, let's just roll through the best of the Air Comfort Solutions text line over the last three hours to take us home right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. Plank show right here on the ref. So I, I'm taking it based on a quick perusing of the Air Comfort Solutions text line that Sean called the show. He Josh, did, and uh, as you could tell, it was a mixed bag, or was it? Sean has been someone who has consistently pushed back against the narrative that um, roster turnover is problematic for this team, right? In fact, Shark hits us with great call. Sometimes the truth is hard to listen to. And again, you know, if the number is normal for what Oklahoma has had when it comes to the roster turnover, then, yeah, some people are probably tired of hearing about what's oh, – I don't. of course, I don't have my neat note here in front of me, but it's like, what, only 21 players left from that Alamo Bowl team, scholarship yeah. players? 23. 23. So, um, and, you know, as soon as I left the show after we had kind of gone through his text, the first – no, what I get was someone saying, what about timeout management? You're like, well, can everyone calm down just a little bit? <laughs> it's a first-year coach. Um, here's one for the 214. The main problem for Brent was that he inherited a whole team with the same mindset that Stutzman had, and it showed the last five years. And he lost most of the defensive stars from the year before, and it is going to take a couple years to fix that. It took Bob over a year to change the mindset when he took over. Okay, now, now, now again, for the 214. I want to defend Danny here. I still think that Danny's point when he said on the podcast, oh, he just wants me to take a step. What's the big deal about a step, right? I think it was a magnification of the commitment that's there to continue to get better and how they're learning it. So, yeah, and I don't think you meant that that way. And, and listen, I've, I've learned that, you know, Danny's dad, who is a very large man and could easily whip my ass, listens to this show. So yeah, we got to be careful. We gotta I'm, I'm, be on, careful. I'm on Team Danny but all the way. I think they're also <laughs> referring to Brent's comment from yesterday, Plank, where oh. where he said it took eight to ten weeks yeah. for Danny to ask for the playbook last spring. There you go. Okay, fair enough. Uh, from Brazilian Sooner. Okay, that's fair, too. I, I, I don't know how I completely spaced on that. Brazilian Sooner writes, it's not just roster turnover. The talent recruited and left at OU was nowhere near what Riley inherited his first year. Not going to complain and whine about last year, pumped for the season, and getting to see Brent's first full recruiting class contribute. I think that's I think that's kind of the bottom line here, right? I mean if you want to if you want to really dive into it a little bit, Brent had zero people on that um, Alamo Bowl roster from 14 months ago that he brought in here. Not a zippo zilch. So, you know, he had to get that buy-in from those who were, were coming in. So, hey, it, it's tough. Uh, this Here's one. That guy is – did you read through any of these, Josh, on the air? Am I rehashing old news on the plane? I think show? maybe one or two, but have at it. We, okay. We, yeah, have at it. That guy's an idiot. Every one of those games was, in <laughs> fact, a one-score game. The box scores prove that. The point behind a one-score game is that we had a chance to win it at the end. Is that we weren't that far off. Uh, from the 918, back to our Big 12 SEC conversation earlier. 
Guys, I'm too young to know. People say the old Big 12 was like what the SEC is now. Mm. What happened? Well, I mean, some major schools left. I mean, here's here's something that's going to be surprising to you uh, for some of the younger guard. Missouri came in to Norman as what? The number two, number one ranked team in the country? Yeah, with Chase I mean, Daniel. Yeah, with Chase Daniel. And, I mean, that Kansas won an Orange Bowl. But those, some, those were, you know, sort of standalone deals. Two. I mean, we're talking Texas and OU and Nebraska and K-State. Colorado, right? A&M. Yeah, Nebraska. A&M, honestly, didn't really do much in the Big 12. You know, to me, when I hear that, I would I would answer it by saying this to our, our young young texture, which I can't believe I'm now in the demographic to where, well, let You're me explain old. to you back then. Let me tell you something, youngin'. <laughs> Here's the deal is – Nebraska was just coming off of being the preeminent force throughout the 90s, right, where folks would say Nebraska was basically the Alabama of college football in the 90s. They won the most national championships, and then, boom, you turned the century, and what happened? Oklahoma won the national championship very quickly and played for more national championships. If if Oklahoma wins one or two more in the 2000s, and they were there, Plank, to do it, They just didn't get it done on that stage versus LSU in Florida. And I'm throwing the USC game out, by the way. If OU wins those two, then you're talking about back-to-back decades where it was Nebraska and Oklahoma, Big 12 teams that were the the preeminent force in the sport. And so, oh, by the way, you had Texas all the way throughout the 2000s, very, very close to Oklahoma from a national standpoint. So it was just, I dare I say, it was just different back uh, in the 2000s. The perception around the league was that, yes, Oklahoma, Texas, and some of these other teams were national powers. I know it seems wild, but that was truly the case. It was truly the case. Um, and, listen, the SEC was still really, really good, right? I mean, I, I mean, it's not like suddenly the SEC got good out of nowhere. I mean, it was still really good. But, you know, that, that Big 12 was big time. You know, back in my day, if you will. And uh, Kansas State, I, I I didn't mention them, but the Bishop season plank, I mean, look, they were a Big 12 championship went away from playing for it all. Mm. Uh, here's one from my man at Dan Freaking Pants on Twitter, Quinn. Guys, dad is a Florida alum, mom is Sooner born and Sooner bred. They've been married 100 years. A yearly OU Florida game is going to cause a divorce, and I'm here for it. It's from the... That's from the Andy Staples article and podcast where they they projected what that pod is going to look like. And they had Oklahoma's pod featuring Florida, help me out, Josh, Arkansas and Texas, right? And I'm – Or I'm Missouri. In, was it Missouri? Was it Missouri in there instead of Arkansas? Arkansas? It was Missouri. You're right. I would trade Arkansas for Missouri. Me too. But, see, the, the other part of that is, too, Missouri doesn't have anyone doesn't have anyone i know <laughs> um no but everybody's like no thanks yeah thanks <laughs> uh and then one more from the 405 if you care about the quarterback people you better darn well care about the offensive line i guess my point more than anything else is that i know people they, they care about the trenches the things that um the things that matter you know like offensive line it's it's people care about them it's just Radio conversations are not necessarily 
the type that have you running to the phone or running to your comfort solutions text line to say, well, I didn't like his hand placement. I didn't like his footwork, the way that he kicked out. We haven't had a footwork conversation about an offensive lineman since Josiah St. John. Um, it, it, listen, I, I'm not getting in. We're, we're walking out the door, so I'm not getting into this. Uh, it's all Texas's fault, but I, I will get one from the 405. What happened was Texas flexed their undeserved muscle to run off four schools, and then Nick Satan came to the SEC, and the Big 12 replaced four teams with TCU and West Virginia. And that's kind of it. Nick Saban went back to Alabama, had a terrible first year, and has been playing at a national championship level every single since. And who's here taking it over now? Um, a dude that was one of his disciples. You know, honestly, Smart. one of the biggest things that happened to the Big 12 losing strength was Oklahoma and Texas lost national championship games. That's what happened. Josh Helmer, you speak truth. Hey, y'all, have a great weekend. We're going to hit the air in about 15 minutes from now on the Sooner Radio Network. Hope you'll join us until uh, Monday. See you, buddy. Have a great weekend, Josh. You too, my friend. Steel Man and Thune at Noon are next. This has been the Plank Show on the Home of Sooner Fans.